Cast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest Jonathan McLaren. Jonathan is an online fitness coach and nutrition coach with Freedom Nutrition Coaching. He's also the host of the Wellness Unplugged podcast. Jonathan has an extremely diverse background from nanotechnology research chemist at the University of Victoria in Canada to Navy Marine engineer with the Canadian Navy. He's also globetrotted around 45 countries on five continents, worked as a paraline technician, a nutrition and supplement store owner. With all these diverse backgrounds, Jonathan has learned to share his knowledge to help others conquer poor diet habits and nutrition. Currently, Jonathan's an online nutrition coach and he mentors new coaches building their business from the ground up. Jonathan has earned his Precision Nutrition Level 2 certification with Precision Nutrition, along with a degree in chemistry and marketing psychology. He has survived an attempted murder, nearly beaten to death in South Africa, as well as losing his life savings in a failed business venture, which he ultimately rebuilt himself from the ground up. Our guest has lost and kept off over 100 pounds after many failed attempts throughout his life. Jonathan used to suffer from multiple anxiety episodes per day, and now he's learned that he only has two notable episodes a year. 
after implementing some drastic lifestyle changes. Jonathan's also a new dad. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Jonathan to the show. Welcome hey, to the show, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here, man. But you know, and I'm reading your intro and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm going through all these things. I'm like, oh, and you're a new dad. So like I list out all these things you went through in your life, right? Yeah. And I'm like, congratulations, you're a new dad. Like that's the best thing ever, man. It's <laughs> yeah, like there's there's nothing like it, is what I would say. I would just say welcome to the show. And I appreciate you coming on today to share your insight about nutrition, about dieting, yeah, yeah. and about life. It seems like I think there's a lot that you've been through that you can <laughs> offer some guidance and some some opportunity for us to learn more about you and, and learn about life itself through all the things you've been through. I want to ask you first, what did you learn about nutrition, health, and weight loss from your personal journey over the years? That it's a lot more complicated in one sense than people believe it to be, yet it can be distilled down to some very simple principles. And I use simple rather than easy because they're not the same thing. If you would have talked to me in my 20s when I was an athlete, I would have said anybody that was overweight was just lazy and undisciplined because that was my scope of experience. I was like, ah, it wasn't that hard. I just I just lift weights. I you know eat reasonably well, blah, blah, blah. After going through trauma and becoming a binge eating food addict, all of a sudden, like my perspective changed entirely because now I've got to figure out how the heck, how the heck do I, do I even start? Where, where do I even start? Because I was still stuck in this old identity of being an athlete, but I was over three, I was 330 pounds. Wow. Like, and it's like, how the heck did I get here? What happened? Like just metaphorically and literally rocked my world. What sport did you play? Uh, I was basketball and volleyball competitively. And then I kind of played rugby casually, but my dad was like, you're, you're not playing rugby competitively. Your ears and nose are like staying put. So uh, my dad grew up in uh, between New Zealand and Australia and they're two big oh, wow. rugby countries. So, yeah. What do you think when the average person listens to this episode, most people will look at the topic of nutrition, health and weight loss as something that they understand in their mind, but they don't necessarily implement what's necessary to make real change in their lives. And I wanted to ask you, what recommendations would you make to someone who doesn't really focus or make it a priority to implement healthy you know, habits for nutrition, wellness, and weight loss? If you don't have, I'll take one step back and say, look, we live in a world of comfort and convenience. The 21st century, we have unprecedented levels of comfort and convenience. Our nervous system loves this. So our, the primal part of our nervous system wants us to be comfortable and wants us to avoid pain. That's our default. I say that because if you don't have a good reason why you want to change, they're, they're, you, you aren't going to change because your, your primal nervous system will just keep pulling you back down. Pull you back down to that comfort, avoid discomfort, and so on. If you really truly want to transform your health, you have to have what I call an emotionally compelling reason why you want this to happen because the, the actual process of change, because there's no, there's no point in losing weight only to gain it back again. That's just a waste of time. You end up worse, worse <laughs> hey, off. Yo, yo. Right. So if you want to lose weight, you want to do it for good. If you're going to do it for good, you actually have to create a transformation. In other words, you start living a new lifestyle. Essentially, you become a new person. So if you're going to go through the, the uncomfortable process of doing this, you have to have a damn good reason why you want to do this. Otherwise, you're just going to walk away from it. What was the life event that triggered your transformation to make diet and nutrition so important? Like for me, I had cancer and I overcame my stage one kidney cancer surgery and all that. And then I had another surgery after that to remove my diverticulitis. And from those two surgeries at 
you know, three years ago, I made the decision it's time to get my body in check. So that's when I went and did intermittent fasting for myself and lost like 50 pounds. Nice. And I've kept most of it off since that time, even during the pandemic. So I want to ask what life event triggered for you to implement healthy changes? Well, so I used to always have like previously I had an interest in it because I was athletic and I was competitive and I, I went through a stage where I was like uber all natural, like McDonald's is poison where it was like totally anti big farm, anti this and that and the next thing. So I have had an interest already dating back to like being 18, 19 years old and going through university and stuff. But until I had to really struggle with my health personally and, and grapple with it and grapple with the reality of trying to create change after being traumatized, that was where everything changed for me. And I realized like this, this is not, this is not just like a walk in the park and this is not just a game, but there's also nobody coming to save me. So now I say that like there's tremendous value in working with a coach. I, I give a lot of credit to, especially one of my coaches from about four years ago who genuinely like changed my life because of the work that we did together. But ultimately I say a coach is a tour guide. They're not a Sherpa. Yeah. So <laughs> they can't carry your backpack for you. They can make your backpack a little lighter and show you an easier path, but you still got to walk the path. And so I have this concept that I call like the hero mindset. And in short, it's a sense for healthy, educated, relentless offense. And what it refers to is healthy is just really about building a healthy, understanding the, the fundamental principles of a healthy lifestyle. Educated means uh, know what you're working with and know what you're up against. Relentless just means, it doesn't mean pedal to the metal all the time. It just means a refusal to quit. That when it gets tough, you're not going to quit. You might adjust what you do, but you're not going to quit. And offense is just a recognition that you can't sit back and wait for someone to save you. Your health is, has to be your priority if you want if you want to make it happen. And so it, it, it was really like four years ago, working with a coach who finally got to the heart of what was holding me back and keeping me stuck that really transformed it for me. And now it's, it's like my son, like I'm going to be 40 <laughs> pretty soon. And he's going to be one yep. and he's going to be growing and moving and wanting to be more active. And it's like, I have to keep my mobility. I've got to keep my ability to be active. And he's, his legs never stop moving. Like the moment he, he's, he's like so close to crawling and he's about, he's almost, he's, he'll be six months old. Congratulations and, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make, I didn't get a chance to say that earlier to you. Yeah. So once he starts moving, oh my gosh, like, so I have now that's my reminder. I have to keep this going because I want to be present in his life. And that's my emotionally compelling reason. Now I want to ask you this too, because I know what it's like to have emotional eating. I, I think most of us have dealt with that kind of thing in their life where you get them, you know, you get depressed about something and then you go in, like, for example, order Uber eats to have some food, even though you realize you probably shouldn't be eating something late at night because you need some <laughs> type of emotional solace during the pandemic. Yeah. I've done that. I've done that recently. I order Uber Eats when I want to get yeah. my mind off things and I'm stuck in the house a lot. Because even yeah. though Florida doesn't have all these restrictions, I still impose those on myself. So like I'll eat. Yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'll, I'll emotionally eat. And I want to ask you, what do you recommend to people who emotionally eat? How do they stop it? That's and that's a tricky one because it's going to depend on the individual and, and, and really why they're eating. But you, you've already highlighted one thing that's kind of important. 
I say compassionate awareness is a space where we create change. In other words, a lot of our behaviors will happen kind of on autopilot or like on semi-auto. In other words, there's it's not really the conscious part of your – like we think we make a lot of our choices consciously. A lot of our behaviors are driven by our subconscious and by our primal brain and by our emotions. And it's like we, we act on emotion and justify with logic, you know. So just being aware that a lot of these behaviors are kind of happening from a, a deeper place than just conscious thought. When you bring it to your conscious awareness, you can now start to create change in that space. So instead of just doing it automatically, you're now aware of it. Now you're becoming mindful and reflecting like, why am I doing this? I would also say, okay, that, that time you want to emotionally eat, you ask, okay, if I don't, what happens? What am I stuck with? Why am I like, why am I sitting here? Am I bored, lonely, sad? What don't I want to sit with right now? Because I, I, I kind of have this sense that especially through the digital media age, we've been conditioned to have this idea that if we feel an uncomfortable emotion, that something is wrong with us. And in fact, that's a part of life. Okay. Like go, go back two or three generations. I mean, I look at my grandmother's life and the hardships she went through when she didn't have electricity, let alone the internet. And I never heard a word of complaint out of her. So just this understanding that like uncomfortable emotions are going to be a part of life and they're not going to break us. I think that's the other part, this fear that I won't be able to handle it. You know, if we were going to talk about some of the grief, like I won't be able to handle it. So I have to eat and, and try and keep pushing it down. No, you are stronger than you give yourself credit for. We have incredible resilience available to us if we're willing to tap into it and willing to be uncomfortable. That's a great point you raise in how I look at it too, is looking at the bigger picture, right? And understanding and appreciating the bigger picture that we can overcome things like emotional eating within ourselves. And we can create new habits and new desired behaviors that can help us learn how to better and more effectively engage ourselves when it comes to health, nutrition, and fitness. And I like your message because what your message is showing me is that as humans, yeah, we're not we're not slaves to our habits. We're not, we're not like, you yeah. know, somebody gambles, you know, you're not going to gamble 24 seven to an addiction. We're not slaves to our addictions. There are ways to get past these loop patterns that we have in our heads. Right. Yeah. And from my vantage point, I want to ask you, what do you think when someone struggles with something like body dysmorphia, you may see someone who looks amazing and they're at the gym all the time, but then privately, this is male or female. It doesn't matter about gender. Yeah, yeah. But you, you, you don't realize that inside they don't see their body the way you see their body or they don't see their self image the way someone on the outside sees their image. And so I want to ask you, what did, what do you recommend to people in the audience that go through that type of thing where their concept of themselves doesn't add up to what they really look like and they have a, a, an issue that impacts them pretty negatively? Yeah. And the first thing I might, I'm going to put a caveat in there. And like, if it's something that's pretty severe, this is probably, you're probably well served by seeking professional therapy. Oh, yeah. There's, there's absolutely no shame in that. Like, you know, I went through trauma counseling and I can't speak highly enough, you know, trained professional therapists who know how to kind of open a box in your brain, unpack it a little bit, but also pack it up safely and put it away so you can move forward and function, even if you haven't totally resolved it. And so I, I wanted to put that in there. The other thing is, is kind of starting to develop a sense of self uh, compassion. So compassion is a really interesting piece because I think I misunderstood it for a very, very long time. I would see it as, as weakness, especially being male. I had this certain idea of uh, masculinity and 
So showing compassion, because what's going to happen is when you show yourself compassion, your imperfections are going to come to the surface. So now you're going to come face to face with those imperfections. And along with that, you're going to come face to face with your, your sense of self, how you really feel about yourself. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I almost had like body dysmorphia in a couple of different times. Like one was when I became morbidly obese and I still had this identity that I was like an athlete. And so there was this disconnect between being this in this really large body, but in my head, I was like, I still remember what I used to be able to do. And so there's, it felt like there was this kind of like, like disconnect and, and why share that? So when we can show ourselves compassion, I um, mean, compassion is not a get out of jail free card. I think it's really important to highlight that as well. It's not about get out of jail free, but when we can show ourselves compassion, that actually creates the space for us to see ourselves as we actually are without distortion. And we can see our flaws, we can see our weaknesses, and we can look at them and we can look at them without necessarily creating judgment around ourselves. Now, it's it's a lot easier said than done. And I will say it took somebody else showing me compassion first, modeling that behavior for me. So I started to see what it looked like before I could truly learn to show myself compassion because it never really had entered my my sphere of consciousness that I was allowed to show myself compassion or self-love. And so it really took somebody else showing that to me as a male, healthy masculine behavior before I was like, that's what it actually looks like. I didn't, I didn't know. And so you may need to, in fact, there's probably a very good case for working with a coach, a therapist, you know, somebody who understands these issues, who can sort of help you and, and model healthy behavior for you, because maybe you've never seen what that looks like before. I love that. And I, I agree with you hundred percent. I, one of the things I like to do on my show, and I'm sure a lot of people are like this is to remove the stigma of mental health awareness. Yes. I will openly admit on my show that I've dealt with, you know, depression and anxiety in my life as well. It's something that's endemic in my family and everyone I know has dealt with something like that. And so from my vantage point, when we talk about these topics, I, I, I look, I would love to have the audience approach these ideas without any judgment attached to it. I want anyone who yeah, suffers yeah. from a mental health condition to know it's like having something like diabetes. It's like having a broken arm. It's not something that you have to feel horrible about or ashamed of because you're afraid that people are going to look at you negatively. Right. Yeah, and yeah. that's, that's a big thing coming out of this pandemic that I think all of us need to take steps to do within our own lives and with our family and friends is to let people know if you're having a bad day and you're going through anxiety or depression or something, or if you're having body dysmorphia, or if you're dealing with a eating disorder, these are all things that we need to remove the stigma for come out into the light and don't worry about what people are going to think of you. Yeah. You know, I have this expression that's called like wrestling my demons in the light. And I think a really good coach or a therapist will, will do something like that where they create the space without judgment for you to talk about exactly where you're at. Because until you, until you can acknowledge where your present condition, it's nearly impossible to create change because you're trying to start from, from a point that doesn't exist. You have to know concretely, this is where I'm starting from because then it can, it can guide like, what should my next steps be? And I love what you shared just about bringing mental health into the light. When I had my first panic attack, I didn't know what was happening to me. It, it actually, again, it didn't, it wouldn't have occurred to me that this was a panic attack. Like my, my in the middle of the night, wake up, my heart spikes, you know, to like over 200 beats a minute. My brain is like, you're going to die. Oh my gosh, you have to call 911 right now. And, and a part of my brain goes, what the heck? Did I just have a bad dream? Like what is going on? But if I look at like how I was living, I was sleeping maybe five hours a night. 
I was living on multiple coffees and cans of energy drinks and pre-workout and just a super stimulant heavy lifestyle. I was training two hours a day trying to be a power lifter. I was working 14 hours a day trying to run my own business. I was burning myself into the ground. And my thought when that happened, like th- this doesn't happen to people like me. You know, here I was this big, strong dude, power lifting, heaven, <laughs> you know, it, you know, and, and here it was. And so then, I, but I tried to hide it from my wife for, for quite a period of time because again, I was ashamed. I felt like anxiety was a weakness that anxiety, I connected anxiety and, and fear. I didn't understand that there's a nervous system component to it. Like I was burning, I was redlining my nervous system. It's like running an engine at 15,000 RPM all day long. Well, at some point in time, something's going to go like something's going to break. And when I told her, you know, she didn't respond the way that I thought she would. I projected my own insecurities onto her and was like, if I tell her about this, she's going to reject me as a weak man. No, she didn't. She's like, I knew this was happening. I could see it. She was aware of it and she waited for me to come to her and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting dynamic that you raise when you're married. And if a spouse is silent and dealing with a mental health issue, but afraid to bring it up to the other spouse, and then the other spouse is aware of it independently, and you got to deal with that awkwardness till you finally discuss it and disclose it and get past it. I can see that being a challenge. And I'm glad that you and your, your significant other have been able to get past it together. And how do you think people in the audience should approach it? mental health issues affecting fitness and nutrition and, and all those kind of things. Cause I think they're all interconnected and I, I support yeah, what yeah. you said a hundred percent. I think if anyone feels the need to want to talk to somebody go, Yeah, <laughs> if you need, it's like going to the gym and working out your, your mind and your, I, you know. yeah, I, I really think we should normalize getting therapy. <laughs> like, honestly, we should not treat it like something's wrong with you and get therapy. So where I think maybe our current understanding of this is somewhat broken it's shifting, which is good. But where it's broken is I only need therapy when something's really wrong. It's like going to the doctor when you have full-blown diabetes versus yeah. when, when you are when you start out in maybe a hypoglycemic state and you're moving in the direction of that. It would be much better to intervene at that stage than waiting. But you see, I think our, our medical model is such that we have like what I would call like a triage model. So we have so many health conditions like coming down the pipeline as a result of the lifestyles we're living that the medical system's overwhelmed trying to deal with all of that. That when you when you try to come to it at a place, maybe even a, a preventative place or just where things are starting to be a problem, they're not really you're not a priority to be dealt with. So it's like, and I think probably maybe we don't have enough mental health support workers. And so because of that, it's really only those in the greatest depths of crisis that really maybe, if they're lucky, will get the help that they need. So if we could normalize, if we could treat therapy like going to the gym and working yes. out, where it's like this is a normal, healthy thing to do. And, you know, you may not have to have a, a traditional therapist-client relationship. You could. I mean, I think we do this as human beings anyways through maybe our friendships and our relationships. But just treat this like – I almost want to talk about like mental fitness. So we talk about like mental health. I'm like, what about mental fitness? What about – Like mental toughness? Like the ability what, to the weather thing? I, I think that there could be something to be said for resilience. But I just mean like how do, how do we become healthy – mentally because mental illness is not just a black and white thing and mental health is like there's a whole spectrum here and you can you are not like like i am not anxiety there are times where i experience it but now i'm able to because i'm aware of what my triggers are i'm aware of of sort of lifestyle factors that lead it to 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 this occurring more frequently i can manage most of those factors and i'm one of the fortunate ones i don't have to use a medication 
I tried it and I, it was actually hellish. Truthfully, I felt yeah, like a zombie. Medications are hard. Let me, unless someone recommends mm-hmm. you need it and you have to do it. Oh, oh by all means. Yeah. I, I like, I, that's why I say like, I feel like I'm lucky because I'm able to manage it without it. I believe it's not diagnosed, but I believe the condition that I have is called cyclothymia, which is we would call under the radar bipolar. So okay. it's not the episodes generally speaking. Now it was really extreme a couple of years ago because I was burning myself out. But generally speaking, when it, when my lifestyle is well managed, there's ebbs and flows, there's highs and lows, but they don't they don't really fall into the extreme end of a depressive episode or a manic episode. You know, that's so interesting when you say that too, because looking at things with mental health awareness and all that, I mean, the conversation we're having right now, by having that conversation, I feel like people can actually say, you know what? If the host and the guests of this show are both telling us that they've had their own issues and they've been able to get through it and they're navigating it, which by the way, when I say get through it, I was depressed earlier today. I was working as a lawyer and I had two hours of working through depression. You know what got me out of it? I got to meet you for an interview. (laughs) I'm swearing to God right now. I don't use Absolutely. But having purpose, having meaning, get you out of Mm -hmm. that stage of depression, even on a two hour blip during your day, you know, when you're working from home or having to work remotely, I feel like anytime I get myself engaged my depression is at least at least temporarily it's pushed aside, right? And this is maybe another way to maybe uh, instead of say eating to elevate your serotonin and dopamine levels to sort of give you a break from depression because that very much happens. I work with a number of people who, who struggle with depression yeah. and they they eat to medicate their depression because again, not everybody wants to take a medication either, and I understand that too. It, it's it's a noble idea this hope that if we could sort of manage our condition in a way that doesn't require a medication, but. What you're kind of talking about is I I would anchor myself to other people. So if I couldn't sort of bring it out of myself, if I didn't have the resources, I would I would just go and connect to another human being. Very often it's going to be my wife, but it might be another human being. It could be and very often I would I would, you know, maybe put a hand on her shoulder or something like that. Um just hey. we can like I I don't know how to describe it, but we can like tap into somebody else and and sort of uh, shared in, in the energy that they have and sort of bring us out of this place. What do you think about disordered eating? Can you explain what that is and, and tell us how it impacts somebody? Um, a disordered eating is really broad uh, because there's, there's a number of subcategories that fall into it. It could be things like anorexia or binge eating or bulimia or many other, other conditions. So it's really uh, maybe in a nutshell, we could say like any eating behavior that is like destructive or harmful that is out of the ordinary um, and maybe extreme in a sense. So in anorexia, it's like the abstention from food or, or not eating food. Bulimia and binge eating are very closely connected, but bulimics will purge or they'll vomit after they eat, after they binge eat, whereas binge eaters will just eat and suffer. <laughs> I was a binge eater. <laughs> These again are, are more common and, and the, the eating part or the food part is the symptom. And I think that's the part. Like, so we, we, you know, we look at it like, okay, I've got to tackle this thing. So I have to cut this food out of my life and stop eating this food. But so for me, like pizza was a trigger food. And, and I'm like, pizza is almost like the perfect comfort food because it has like some savory, a little, maybe a little bit of sweetness in the sauce. It's got some cheese, which will actually give you a little bit of an opioid hit from quesomorphins. Most people don't know that, but that's why cheese has an addictive quality to it. A very filling texture when it comes to like the bread and the crust. Like it's a really satiating, satisfying food and it's pleasant to eat. So what was that food doing for me? It was, I, I would feel almost like this void inside of me and I would like stuff it with as much pizza as I could to basically fill that space. It's, it's a I really- laugh. 
Because yeah. I love pizza. That's what I do. I'll eat pizza. I'll eat cheese pizza, baked <laughs> ziti, any cheese topic that I can have, any cheese plate. And so it, it takes on many, many different forms. But it, it's – and I, I'm inclined to think like there's a difference between overeating and even emotional eating versus, say, binge eating. Overeating, you might just do it on the occasional holiday meal or whatever. Um, emotional eating, I say you're eating to kind of change the channel in your head. Binge eating is, is – falls on it would fall into the category of overeating plus emotional eating but it's on the more extreme end of the spectrum it feels like overeating you don't necessarily feel like you're out of control you're consciously choosing to eat because you're enjoying it so much binge eating there's a like a compulsion element to it where it feels like you're out of control and you can't seem to stop how has fatherhood changed your life <laughs> man the world is <sighs> i see the world through like a different lens how would I put it? It's like, so when I held my son for the first time and he looked up at me with his eyes, you know, you go through the pregnancy and man, I, I got to say like my respect for, for women and for mothers has just gone up like a million percent watching my wife. Like I get to, I got to watch it in real time and I felt like a privileged observer. <laughs> so I had so much ad, admiration for anyone who's gone through pregnancy and childbirth. So holding for the first time and his eyes look up at me and it's like, oh my gosh, this is real. This is a human being. This is a human soul. <laughs> and I'm, I am now responsible for helping this human being to try and become like a good human being in this world, a good citizen of this world. And it's like, you could almost feel like something, I don't know, changing at the cellular level inside of me. I don't know how to describe it really, but just the sense of, of response, like joy, but also a sense of responsibility. And I could almost put it like, I feel like he's on loan to us. We, we get him for a period of time. We do the best we can. We try to raise him with good values and love. And then, he becomes an independent being, hopefully. Absolutely. Uh, I just think it's one of the greatest mysteries of why we're here is to be a father, <laughs> yeah. have kids and have a life like that and bring life in. Right. I mean, yeah, I think that the reason I asked you that question is I think in terms of your level of priorities and what you've gone through in your life, it sounds like, and I'll just tell you this intuitively, I'll say having your child has really reprioritized everything that you're looking at and it's yes. given you a renewed figure and a renewed focus on things to make things click and connect and be so stable in the future, which I see you doing, by the way, yeah. that's been one of your fears. I'm reading you for a minute. I guess I have to do that every now and then. I intertwine it in my in my interview style. Of course, yeah. To make it unique that you're talking to somebody who's a psychic too. And I'll say this, that from all your worries and concerns since you've had your child, everything's going to stabilize and you're going to have success and yeah. it's going to continue the next two to three years. And that's where you're going to build your foundation with. So Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, man. It's, it's uh, I, I look at him and I go, it, 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 every behavior I have, like is I see it through a different lens. If I'm going to waste time on, you know, social media or YouTube or something like that, I go, hang on a sec. Is this take, is this taking away time from me being with my son? And so I think about every activity in that light. And I also think about like, I don't want him to see me on my phone or technology all the time. I want him to see my face and his face and us connecting, you know? And one of the things I see you doing too is growing people working under you. So you have more time to spend with your family as, as, as time engages and things go on. So that's the other thing I was going to tell you, if that's one of your goals, to have yeah. people handling more of the day-to-day while you still do a lot, but you're going to have the ability to have your own flexibility in time. I feel like um, I'm a world-class coach that, and nobody knows who I am. <laughs> it's it's part of that process because we're in a sea of people, right? Trillions, yeah. well, not trillions, billions of people on this planet. Yeah. And it's like me. I always thought that how many lawyers are out there that's psychic? Guess what? More than you realize. Uh, yeah. More than you realize. And so there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of intuitive psychic podcasting people, and there's a lot of others. 
the thing is, when you get good at what you do, you stand out on your own. It's not going to matter how many others there are because you're the one, yeah. right? Yeah. And so for success for you going forward, I see you being the one for yourself. I see your son as a driving influence. That's on awesome. The that's about to come your way. So yeah. Well, maybe I could ask you then. When did you know or come to an awareness so that you have this this ability? August 12, 2004, when he passed away at Orbs of Light, come to me in my hotel room. I was in Wisconsin doing work and I had this unconditional love wash over me and I realized it was my grandfather. So from that point on, I've had this connection with him that's made me intuitive, made me a medium, opened me up, reassures me all the time whenever I'm going through life changes or transformations or whatever. When I had my cancer, my grandfather was there. When I went through Irma, when I went through the pandemic or still going through like any kind yeah. of circumstances. That's, that's really cool. I want to ask you, in reference to your own situation, what role do you believe positive mindset serves in helping one achieve their fitness and nutrition goals? I think it's very important, but I also think it's very important to clarify what we mean by this, because I do believe that we need to go through difficult experiences. That's what helps us grow and become stronger and become more resilient and really learn what we're able. In good times, we don't we don't have to tap into our best abilities. So we may not actually learn how capable we are. And so I think, for example, you know, you're going through cancer and surviving that, like you, you will have learned things that someone who's never been through that, they, they don't understand. But you, you, <laughs> right, you just, you realize how powerful like mindset can truly be. There is, I feel like it might be a cliche term, but I think we could say there's something like toxic positivity out there, or or maybe maybe it's nicer to say just a kind of a, like almost like a delusional positivity where it's this idea, and maybe it's a, a juvenile idea that life should always feel happy. I believe there's value in again experiencing difficult emotions because that's what gives color to life, and so if we're if we're willing to. You know, there's there's a guy, what's his name, Jocko Willink, I think, and he had this this short talk, and it was called Good. And his his concept was when you go through a difficult experience, like hunt for the good, find something that's good about it. And usually it's going to be connected to like your growth and, and your development. So I think a positive mindset doesn't mean you're going to have an easy life. And maybe we shouldn't ask for an easy life, but we should ask for the strength to navigate the difficult experiences life will put our way. If we find a willingness to to look for good, we're going to foster a positive mindset. But just this idea that back to positive mindset to create an effortless life where you're always happy. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how I want to put it. You know, I'll say one thing to that. For me, at least, getting through the cancer and everything else, you got to have a measured approach with positivity, right? Is what you're basically yeah. saying. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, you're not going to be like hanging out there in the middle of a category five hurricane waving at the storm being happy it's coming your way yeah. you know you gotta be realistic with the uh, challenges that are approaching you but i think uh what i like about positivity at least in my life is having mm -hmm. the ability to frame the idea to frame the topic in your mind that if you're dealing with an awkward or negative situation sure absorb the negativity but also think to yourself this is a fleeting thing i'm going to be positive about it i know things yeah, are going to improve I, I always look at those kind of things in my own perspective yeah and i, th I think we, we might be saying two very similar perspectives they are you, absolutely you know, it's because i i think i'm a really positive person and, I, and and as you know i like i've been through some really hard experiences in life oh, that yeah. i would not ask for but i look back now and i'm actually grateful for i wouldn't be where i am doing what i do if i hadn't gone through those extremely challenging experiences and i feel like I don't know that I've ever met a remarkable person who had an easy life. <laughs> You're right. So whatever, there's nothing that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be intrigued, right? If someone had an yeah. easy life. Oh, so what have you done in your life? 
I've had an easy life. Okay. Is that, is that, is that the punchline? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I look at someone like Nelson Mandela, oh, yeah. you know, he's, he spent 27 years in jail. In, yeah. Confinement. Horrible he, confinement. You would, you would expect that he would emerge from that a bitter, like hardened terrorist criminal. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. And that speaks like volumes to like the human potential or maybe someone like Victor Frankl as well. You know, man's search for meaning. Yes. People that have gone through and survived horrific atrocities and yet they've come out of the other side and you go like, oh my gosh, this person is basically like a gift to humanity <laughs> because of the, the treasure of their wisdom and because of, because of their experience, they've, they've demonstrated what is possible in the human capacity. I love that. And I, I agree with that. I think it's so important to, to think about things based on your journey, right? We've all been our own unique journeys. You've been on an amazing journey yourself of the things you've gone through. I mean, you've traveled extensively from 45 countries on five continents. Yeah. I have not been to that many countries or that many continents. And I want to ask you, what lessons have you learned from such extensive travel and living abroad? We're more alike than we're different as human beings. There's a lot of surface level differences, obviously. Um, I've been in countries where I'm a minority, a visible minority, very visible minority. I don't speak the language. I don't fit into the, I'm an outsider to the culture. It's, but you know what? People are, man, I've seen so much kindness and hospitality around the world and in places where people don't have much. And I feel almost like almost a sense of shame, um, not really shame, but I do for accepting the kindness and hospitality I've been shown. I tried to accept it as graciously as possible, but I knew the country that I come from. I come from Canada, a first world country where we have prosperity. And when somebody wants to confer hospitality on me, and I know it's like stretching their means to do so, like I I, I just, I feel humbled. Maybe maybe it's a better way to humbled rather than ashamed that, that I would ever like take for granted any of this sort of first world prosperity that I enjoy. Human beings are just... I mean, I love meeting people. I love, I do it again in a heartbeat, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful learning experience. When, when I travel, like I've been to Australia and a few other places. And when I went to Australia, I'll tell you, this as a side thing. I remember yeah. being out and about and people would tell me, tell them you're from Canada. Yeah. A lot of the Australian people were like, where are you from? First few days, I was like, oh, I'm from the United States. And at the end of the trip, I'm like, oh, actually, I, I'm, I'm from North America. And I left <laughs> it that way as a joke to people because they, I don't know if you've experienced that when you travel abroad. If you've had people ask you where you're from and you'll say Canada and they might confuse you with the United States or yeah. if there's so much interplay. And the reason I bring that up is our accent when we're yeah. overseas to you know Australians or anyone else. We're, we sound very similar to other people, but for ourselves, we can tell our own accents. Oh, totally. Differences. Yeah. Like uh, I'm married to an Australian. I don't know if that came up, but yeah. Um, so well, I didn't I've, know that. I've lived but. in Australia. I've been over there many times and uh, you know, it's like confusing Aussies and Kiwis, like New Zealanders, yeah. you know, they're, they're too, they're very close, but they're not the same. And if you want to know the difference, ask them, ask them what number comes after five. <laughs> and in New Zealand, it'll be sex. <laughs> and in Australia, it'll be Sikhs. That's, I didn't know that. That's a good way of finding out the differences. But I I just say that in terms of traveling, like we all have our own preconceived notions, even when we go, we do. Yeah. And people have preconceived notions of us, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's part of what happened to me in South Africa. Uh, It really wasn't about me, like Jonathan. It was, I was a representation of something they felt had been historically oppressed them. So they, they didn't know me. 
They didn't know who I am. They didn't know the human being that I am. They just saw my skin color and made an assumption. It's, it's almost like the response of a traumatized element of society trying to take back something that was taken from them. It's hurt people, hurt people. And so... So you got attacked from that situation. Yeah. My heart goes out to you. What was the outcome of that? How did you get out of that? Thankfully, I'm, I'm pretty big and strong. And so like, I got clocked over the head. The first hit over the head with a brick, like the brain, my brain was like this, probably went into a state of denial at first. Like this isn't real. Like what's happening here? This isn't happening. And then as I got knocked down and they started kicking and like stomping and I'm like, I can't die tonight. Like that went through my head and also like disbelief. Like, why are these people doing this to me? And I would say, I thought about like the things that I thought were important in life were immediately not. (laughs) I wanted to see my wife again. I wanted to see my mom and dad. I wanted to see my brother. Like that's, that's what mattered to me. It wasn't any sort of accolade that I've ever accomplished in life. It was, it was the most precious human connections to me. Those are the ones that I wanted to see again. Our relationships are the most important thing that I believe we have here. It's not about yeah. what we what we accumulate or how much wealth we have or how much what kind of car we drive. I think when it, and you might have realized that when you got attacked is it's really about what kind of wealth or relationships you have with people. How close do you feel to people? What are your connections with people like in your life? Yeah, and the other part of it is so. Eventually, I decided I didn't want to be angry anymore. Um, after going through trauma, there's an instinctual or primal response to be angry. And I had thoughts entering my head. Maybe I'll put it this way. They're not congruent with who I am as a human being or who I identify as a human being. I'm not a violent person. But I had angry thoughts of violence and vengeance entering my head. And they felt very intrusive. But they also felt there was a, there was a pull to them, if I could put it that way. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain, you know, to those who've never been traumatized by violence, there's a desire to take back something that was taken from me. You're a victim in this situation until you take back that concept in your mind and realize you're not a victim. You went through something traumatizing, but you're not a victim. Yeah. And that's a big part. You're right. The word victim and choosing not to be a victim anymore. I got that off your energy. I'm not like an expert or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I made the decision to forgive them. And because I realized that forgiveness was about setting myself free. So I, that's a huge lesson. That right there is worth fifty thousand plus dollars of whatever you want to call it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. think about it. When you learn a life lesson like that after getting traumatized and put through severe pain and anguish and hurt and physical pain, and having to heal, and you're able to say, you know what? I had difficulty. I went through all this. I wanted to get even. I had all those basic, you know, lower level vibrational feelings, but I rose above it and I learned to forgive. And from forgiving, I got so much more. There's so much power in forgiveness. You know what your energy brings me? Peace. You found yeah. peace. You've achieved yeah. not not because the background of your scene is a peace. <laughs> For anyone no. who's watching this video, you'll see what I mean when you have your virtual background. But I'm saying yeah. your energy brings me peace because I feel like you've gone through a lot of things and you've sorted a lot of things out. And now you're at the stage to see what your true potential is going to bring you. And that's what I see coming up. Yeah, which is really cool. I, I genuinely feel very much at, at peace. Like I, I, never, I really genuinely feel this sense of gratitude for what I've been through in life. And I, and I say that I also don't want to sound ignorant. I recognize people have gone through much harder experiences than I have. But I mean, I've been through some hard experiences that I wouldn't ask. You know, I lost my life savings. I had everything taken from me by a narcissist because I'm an empath. And I, I didn't know what to look for in that behavior pattern. I didn't know that I was caught in that trap. And, and when I finally, when I finally clicked, like this is happening because 
we don't go into human relationships thinking this is somebody who wants to manipulate or take advantage of me. Yeah. You know what? I'll say this to you and maybe you can connect. And I, by the way, I appreciate you sharing everything you're sharing right now. Cause I know it takes a lot of courage to go on yeah. someone's show and bear all to somebody like, <laughs> yeah, I've been to all these countries. I got hit in the head with a brick. I've had all these horrible experiences and I've lost a hundred pounds and I'm an online nutrition coach and I can give you a lot of guidance. What you've yeah, accomplished yeah. and what you're doing is such a positive for everyone involved. And I really think you need to know, just keep, keep it up, right? Thank keep you. up, keep up the, the, the trek you're on right now, because I feel you're a trailblazer and yeah. I know it's hard to go through. You know what though? You've taught, you, you've learned an important lesson, the act of, of forgiveness, yeah. the act of letting go of that negativity. And so when you look back on that period of your life, when you got attacked, do yeah. you look back on it now and think in your mind that I know that those people didn't attack me because of me? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't about me. So I actually started to develop a sense of compa- compassion for them. And it isn't to excuse their behavior because obviously that's as a criminal behavior. And, and I prefer not to, to inflict violence on in any human being. But I had to ask the question, like, what must have happened in their life that brought them to this place where they felt like this was a desirable course of action or a necessary course of action? And when I when I asked that question, I was like, okay, I think I get it. And, and I let go of this idea that was about me, like, how dare they do this to me, the special, you know, unique person that I am or whatever. I, that was the ego talking. And I was like, okay, like, that's what they did this for you know, this reason had nothing to do with me. And that was really one of the first steps to being able to, to let go and to move past it. That's, that's huge though. Once you decide to do that, and once you take that upon yourself, you realize you can handle a lot of other things, right? Once you let go of the negativity. And I, I think it's so important. It's such a part of healing. And that's really what your message is about today. How to heal one from within, how yeah. to heal oneself physically, how to heal yourself if you're dealt with a, a blow to the head with a brick or how to heal yourself when you're dealing with a blow to the heart. It's all yeah. about healing ourselves and our well, resiliency. Yeah, it's been said that like unforgiveness is un- maybe it's unforgiveness is like drinking poison, trying to hurt another person. You know, and then that's it. when we realize that it's like we can forgive anything and it's not about because forgiveness is not about absolving others. It's about setting ourselves free. It's hard that, sometimes. We'll be honest. Oh, it's so hard, yeah. right? When you get hurt by somebody and you didn't realize to do anything yeah. to cause that negativity to the other person, like when you got attacked or if yeah. someone lets you down or you go through a lot oh, of I was, I was betrayed by the person who I thought was my friend. Like it cost me my life savings. But I realized, you know, again, was it really mine to begin with? You know, we could, we could argue that. Like, I The abundance is going to come threefold for you in the future. It already happens. <laughs> yeah. I find that your abundance is going to grow in such ways and your wealth isn't going to just be physical wealth or monetary wealth. It's going to be all those other levels. Yeah, so, thank you. And, you know, I, I wanted to just, you, you highlighted something. I wanted to maybe shine a light on that again. The work that I do, I mean, I, it's, it's really an inside out work. Uh, I say weight loss. Nutrition is like the cover story. <laughs> I meet people where they're at. So they come to me because they want to lose weight and they feel like maybe I need a meal plan or someone to teach me how to eat. That's the cover story, but that's where people are at. But as we start working together, it's like, let's take a walk up to the next level here and let's see what's really going on. And let's help you understand that. And so, because if we're going to create like genuine transformation, we have to go beyond just trying to, it's like trying to unfold a rose from the outside. (laughs) It's just going to make a mess of it. I got to share something with you. So as I'm writing down stuff and I'm talking to you, I get energy off you, right? 
you're going to do something in the future with total transformation. There's a word total that's going to work into your future work product. And what I mean by total transformation, what you're doing now is the health, nutrition, fitness. I feel like you're going to implement other things as well. The mind, body, spirit components and all those other elements. And I'm not sure if you're going to partner with somebody else that offers these other elements to you, or if you're going to get certifications for life coaching or all these other things you're going to build yourself into. But I see a total package. I see a total service and I see total enjoyment from the success you're going to achieve. So. Well, it's thank you. And and you're, you're onto something because like <laughs> I'm moving in that direction. It's like this inevitable pull. I don't know how to describe it, but I just, I can't unsee and unknow. You're being drawn because you have a purpose. You're going to do a lot with the total <laughs> stuff you're going to work through for sure. You're not, it's funny. Cause you're not actually, you're not the first person that said that. And I'm like, and in a sense, I feel like I'm not quite sure what this is going to look like. And maybe that's okay. It'll be unique. <laughs> It'll be a unique you thing, like me being a psychic lawyer podcaster. How many of those? More than you realize, but it's still unique. Yeah, absolutely. And there's only one of you. You know, there might be others who have similar exactly. characteristics, but there's only exactly. one of you doing what you do. So, and, and, and with you as well. That's why I think it's so great that we get to meet each other through this podcasting venue because it gives, you know, one of the things I'm learning recently is anyone who comes on my show, I, I love the idea of developing a connection with them. Yeah. And having the ability, since we all share similarly passionate things, right? Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, let's, let's well, yeah. see. And where people can find you, by the way. It's just recently being relaunched. And I, I wasn't going to do it, but somebody plugged it. Because I, I I uploaded a few episodes back a couple of years ago. And I, I don't I wasn't really taking it seriously at that point. But my my idea behind it is it's like you unplug the neon light. And there's still a little bit of glow around it. But you, you you're now seeing maybe what it looks like when the shiny glitz and glamours turned off and we talk about the real human experience. And so I, I want people to talk about there's sort of like the gritty raw human details, but I also want to share their stories of overcoming. So it's, it's one that's very, very human and sometimes uncomfortable, but also inspiring because we're showing people what is possible. And so that. it's wellness unplugged. I don't think I'm the first person to think of the name. I'm sure right. there's other Think of it this but, way. Congratulations on relaunching your podcast, by the way. I yeah, love the you. show. I'll say this about podcasting. I, I kind of went into it without knowing what I was getting into. I just kind of like, <laughs> I was like, oh, there was a psychic in 2008 that told me you're going to have your own radio show someday. And I laughed at the guy like, are you crazy? <laughs> and now that guy is actually one of my psychic people. I call and say, what are you getting about this? Yeah. 10 years ahead of time. And then I did the podcast. But my point in sharing all that is podcasting for me is such a, a gratifying thing that you can do to have amazing conversations with people and then share it with an audience and have the audience react to it. And we're also exchanging ideas and information and we're motivating not only each other, we're learning from each other, we're connecting with each other, but we're creating digital content that others can then benefit from in whatever way that is. And I always tell everybody, yeah. have an open mind, keep an open mind. And whatever you, you, you get from us talking that you connect with, great. If there's things about us you don't like, well, that's okay too. But at least we're putting stuff out there to let people know in our audiences, you know, there's such an amazing world out there and we need to identify that. And that's why I think it's important to have you on the show and talk about this stuff today. I'll, I'll say this to you. Uh, I will conclude here. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? Tiger. Okay. Why? First of all, they're beautiful. And you know, I don't have an exact reason. I feel like they're more powerful than lions. I kind of like their, their habitat. They're a little bit solitary and I have a bit of like an independent streak. And I would, I would credit that to being born premature and being an incubator for the first two months oh, wow. of my life. 
whereas lions are more sort of pack, tigers are a little more, they're a little more independent. They know their domain and they, they move with confidence through whatever domain it is that they're in. I don't like to use the word fear less because, because I don't think fear is a problem. I think fear is an indicator and fear is a teacher, but they're, they're powerful and they're comfortable and they take ownership of their, of their domain. I love that. I love that. I always say owl because I say owl has a 360 view and, you know, I have two parrots and I like to look at wisdom and appreciate things. I may need to pick a new spirit animal at some point. No, but owl is really cool. I've been using that spirit animal for like the last two years and I even have a little show and tell. That's amazing, man. (laughs) My grandmother loved owls and yeah, she had a lot of, she had like an owl clock and a lot of different, (laughs) yeah, it was, and, and I think she had one where it was like different species of owls and like each hour would be like the different sound that like the different species of owls would make. I love that. Yeah. So I think I I love that idea of a 360 view. They're also really like, they're powerful birds. They're, they're able to see in the darkness and they look amazing. Have you seen videos of owls on YouTube? I'm like, Oh my God, that owl looks amazing. Snowy owls have to be like among the most beautiful birds in existence, you know? At one point in time, I was working at a research facility and I was up on like the fifth floor and they had these planters outside the building and these owls set up a nest in the planter right outside the window where I was working. And they put this camera on there like 24 hours a day. And I was like, this is, I could just get to look at them like in real time. It was, it was amazing. There was three owlets there. And so, yeah, they're beautiful birds. So that's great. That's great. I want to thank you for coming on the show today, Jonathan. I mean, (laughs) I mean, what a great conversation and what a, a lot of positive attributes to just talk about and discuss. And, you know, one of the things I get from our interview is that you've been through a lot, but you're just getting warmed up. (laughs) (laughs) Buckle up, right? You're just getting warmed up. You have a lot to show the world and a lot to share and a lot to do. So that's my, that's my take. Thank you. And I also want to say thank you for the work that you do and even for holding space for these, these conversations. I think it's, it's really nice to acknowledge that you're doing something valuable by doing this as well. So thank you for having me on. You know what? I got goosebumps when you said that. And I know you're an empath and you understand what I mean when I say that. I uh, yeah. I appreciate it. I really do. I just want to thank Jonathan for coming on the show today and sharing so many amazing ideas about nutrition, fitness, weight loss, being true to yourself, being authentic, being able to forgive those who cause you a lot of pain and harm. Those are major life lessons to learn. And Jonathan's learned them early in his life. So now he's going to do a lot. And when I say get ready for him to buckle up. He's about to do some big things. That's what I see his future holding. There's a lot of big things coming his way. I'm going to have all the information on how to get a hold of Jonathan in the program notes. So check out this information. Contact Jonathan if you're struggling with your weight or confidence with yourself, or if you feel like you've just been sick and tired of dieting and you, you want to have some freedom, freedom in your life to make the proper nutrition decisions that will help you feel better about yourself inside and out. And I think that's real big for me is mind, body, spirit, wellness is so important. And I believe Jonathan is on the right path in doing all those things that we need done in this world. So check out his information. And as I said, these interviews, I love doing them. So there's gonna be more of these on the way. But until then, stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore.
at Baker's. No matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid. 